1: It's everybody's favorite time of the year, performance review season. But don't worry, we're not going to do it for us. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name's Alex Smith, the on Twitter Yankee Gunner. It's time for performance reviews. The boss has called you in. It's time to find out. You know, are are you exceeding expectations? Are you meeting expectations or dare I say are you underperforming expectations? I don't even know in the corporate world now, do they have some sort of like participation trophy way of saying that like you're you're nearly there to expectations <laughs> i don't know i don't know what that is and then of course we got to find out we got to take our our uh, personality study so that we know if we lead with do you lead with blue energy or yellow energy i you know i don't know we got to find all these things out but we're not going to do it for us the podcasters because I think we know who's meeting, exceeding, and underperforming expectations. Paul's on Twitter at Positive My Pants. Hello, Paul. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. <laughs> By
2: the way, employees review managers and stuff. So, like, I don't know if it's the listeners who should—I guess they kind of review us—but also the players should be reviewing our reviews of them, and that we suck.
1: Mm. Okay. I mean, look, it is one big happy review circle—the circle, the circle yeah. of life, the circle of review. Tim's on Twitter. Three, at Colorado, s- hello, Tim.
3: Hello there. 360, 360 Feedback, they call it.
1: 360 yeah. Feedback. Do You see, we have just enough corporate experience on this podcast to get all of the buzzwords out. And the man who's got all the buzzwords, striving, thriving, surviving, is Cliving, at Clive PAFC. Hello, Clive. Hello,
4: hello. hello. I like that you remembered that. Well done, son. <laughs> well done. You do listen yeah. to me, don't you? I do, I do.
1: <laughs> I have impressed more than one person in a meeting once with that. I said, you know, one yeah. of the things I like to think about when I try to consider where we are in the deal cycle is, are we are we thriving or are we just striving or dare I say, are we just surviving? We don't want to be surviving. We want to be thriving. And some of the players did survive this season. Some of them thrived this season and some of them, you know, are leaving and that's great, but we are going to review them nonetheless. And here's the thing I I want to let you know about how we're going to do this review of the players in the season. That was, um, we're probably just going to do a nod of agreement, verbal nod of agreement, because this is an audio medium for the players that, aren't really worth a discussion. Not because they're not great players or interested, but just there's not much to say. We're all going to agree and you're not here for us to all go. yep, 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 Yup. Um, so like Bukayo Saka, we all know he exceeded. We're all going to nod our heads and agree that he exceeded. And I think we'll really dig into the ones where there's maybe a little more meat on the bone from a discussion standpoint. I didn't want to do the one to 10 system because I feel like in football, Everyone gets a 7 out of 10 because it's safe and it's easy and it doesn't provoke discussion. And then the letter grade system, you know, there's always uh, grade inflation these days, right? So everybody gets great on a curve. But underperforming met and exceeded, I think, is a good way to summarize whether we feel the player is where they need to be in their cycle of performance at the club. So we're going to do that. Let's just do a quick test run, trial run of the nodding and agreement version. So Bakayo Saka, I have him as exceeded, Clive. You as well? Uh,
4: yes, Elliot. He just Great. about exceeded expectations. However, no, I'm joking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right, look, we'll do part one of this podcast. will be three and a half hours. Part two will be out tomorrow. No, okay, Tim, Saka exceeded expectations. Matt. You son of a... Because your expectations were so high for him? Is that what you're trying yes. to do here? Fine, yes. fine, fine. Paul, Saka yes. exceeded expectations, yes?
2: Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting topic. Like, what I'd like to say, oh, but we're not wow. going to go into, is, no. like, we wanted those guys to step up and provide goals. In a se- like, that's the, you know, coming into the season, that was the big hope. And if yeah. they hadn't done it, we would have been screwed. It, so that would have been the conversation it, that I'm not
1: going to be allowed to have you, about Kyle. Sorry. But it... But it okay. Okay, see, so that's us nodding in agreement. We, we shaved a smooth seven or eight minutes off the podcast with that one. I now shudder to think what a more borderline agreement player is going to look like. But let's do this. Let's go.
4: To get, let's go. I need to go and get supplies. I need to go and get food and drink.
1: <laughs> send, send help. Send food. Um, okay, we're going to go back to front. Let's do it that way because I think that gives us some measure of, of uh, structure for this. And that means we start with Aaron Ramsdale and this is one where i think there is at least some conversation to be had at least for me what i'll do is i will start with you tim and say did aaron ramsdale underperform meet or exceed expectations and and let's just do this real quick let's just say what do we mean when we say expectations i don't mean yours so if you're like this is a terrible signing he's going to suck and then he's decent he exceeded I mean, the expectations of what the club sort of needed from the player, right? So we spent big money. We brought him in to be first choice. He became, you know what I'm saying? Because like, obviously there were a lot of people that didn't want Ramsdale and he's exceeded everyone's expectations by that metric. But I think that's, that is a, a low bar to set. So let's set the bar that the club would have sort of needed to thrive with that player. So there we go. So, um, okay, Clive wants to change this and Clive does have all the corporate background. So we're going to say underperformed, met, overperformed. And he likes the symmetry of that. I, th- I think that's good. We, we strive for symmetry in all of our um, uh, corporate business vernacular here. So there you go. Tim, did Aaron Ramsdale underperform, meet, or overperform your expectations for him this season? I, I'm going to
3: say met. It, it's really interesting because I, I didn't really have expectations because I hadn't seen the player very much. The, the one thing I do when we sign a player like he's been in the Premier League is I'll like, I will search my tweets, what I said about them. And I only ever had one about Aaron Ramsdale. Interesting. <laughs> and, it, and it was. And do you know what it said? Uh, it was <laughs> I was watching a Sheffield United game, clearly, and it said, Henderson to Ramsdale is quite the downgrade.
2: <laughs>
1: Uh-oh. That's not good.
2: <laughs>
3: <So, yet. laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But when he was signed and everyone seemed to be like furious about it, I was a bit like, well, I, I haven't really seen this player, so I'm going to give it a chance. And I always thought, the fact that people were baffled by the long distribution thing i found quite weird because it's like we we also signed ben white who's quite good at the old long distribution and before that arteta played david louise in every game like he clearly wants long distribution um i i think from the club's perspective they would say met probably they would have said exceeded if you'd asked them a couple of months ago but that that was a really good bit of scouting because some of the passes we didn't know he had. Well, certainly not, I think, from the evidence of Sheffield United and Bournemouth, those line breakers, those across right. the like across the floor, medium distance ones. And and so that was a really good bit of intel they picked up from somewhere, um, and that has really added something to our play. And and I think it still has over the season. I don't think his distribution has. Has dropped off that much his fundamental goalkeeping skill of uh, like f- more fundamental goalkeeping I think's gone from like brilliant to good essentially so I- I'm gonna yeah. say it met but like it it would have been exceeded up until about February I think
1: yeah I mean I definitely think it's fair whatever we're gonna land on for him to note that his second half of the season was probably not as strong as his first half. I mean, the irony for him is the games where he flapped a bit, where he had some challenges, were games where he didn't wind up costing us. So I don't think that they are as remembered. I mean, that City game where we played great and should have won, I don't think he's at fault for us not winning, right? Because they got the penalty and the red card. But if you remember, he flapped quite a bit in that game. He had a really weird game where he, where he made some errors. There was, um, there was a game where he was like flapping at a cross. I can't remember what game that was. He, and, and it had to be cleared offline, but we wound up winning it. Um, there was the – was the near post goal the, the derby? What was the – The Liverpool was game? Was it, was it the – it was the Liverpool game. Yeah, you're right. Good memory there, Paul. Um, and he had know, an so,
2: injury at, at around halftime or something like that. Yeah. Had
3: so
1: so I, I think there was some of that. Yeah, go ahead, Tim. I, I was going to say, I think
3: that the thing that needs to be corrected in Ramsdale isn't so much technical, it's more mental. I think he's got a touch of the T he's a touch of the Jordan Pickfords. All the games you've mentioned there are quite big games. Yeah, and I do point. think sometimes he tries to do too much. Um, and he just needs to, like, without losing, like the big personality is good, but without losing some of that, like just sometimes just chill out a bit and wait for the action to come to you. Don't go looking for it, is, is what I'd say.
1: Yeah, and, and look, I'm just going to bring this up only because I think if I don't, there'll be a subsection of our listeners that will feel that we've let them down. Post-shot expected goals, minus goals allowed, is an advanced metric that seeks to explore how a keeper performed versus the shots that, that were taken at them. In, in other words, like, so someone takes a shot, the XG tries to model the likelihood of it going in, and then it takes the ones that did go in and didn't go in, and, and tries to say, did you outperform that or did you underperform that? And for the season, he lands in uh, for the big five leagues in Europe, the twentieth percentile uh, at a minus 0.14 per ninety, which is it. You know, it, it isn't great, and and I only bring it up because. Like I said, there's a subsection of people that will say you you didn't bring up the data that is there to evaluate keepers. Now, my caveat to that is I don't think the data to evaluate keepers is very good. I think that's pretty clear. Um, I think active keepers, keepers that face a ton of shots, can sometimes look better on the data, not always. Um, But I really feel that for me, I'm going to give him a slight overperform because I think what happened is we went from a keeper who was an excellent shot stopper in Leno to another keeper who is an excellent shot stopper in Ramsdale. But we added the ability to play progressive passes from the keeper forward to build our attack. And during the period where we were very good, Ramsdale may not have been at his best as a shot stopper, but he was electric as a passer. He could clip the ball to the fullback over a defender. He could play the ball to break a line. Like Leno would just tap it to his center back and say, job done. And he, was one of the, he had one of the highest passing rates in the league uh, last season one of the shortest distances Ramsdale did mix it up where I started to get frustrated were games like Newcastle where we got pressed and he just went long and we discussed it at the time I think he did somewhat under pressure abandon a bit of the the intermediate passing but having said that who was he going to give it to El nenny, who was sometimes hiding, not making himself available, right? He didn't always have the options to pass to. I see Clive shaking his head in disgust, like literal disgust. I, it's funny, right? If word bubbles could hang, if this was a cartoon, there'd, there'd be disgust over his head. So I'm going to go to him. I have a slight overperform. I think Ramsdale, though, can, can continue to grow and develop. He is a young player. He certainly will do that. Clive, express your disgust while remembering. I have landed on overperform here. Please, please keep that in mind.
4: Yeah, well, he's, he's a developing player. So yes. that's it. And 23 years of age, he has developed massively over the last couple of seasons and he's developed massively this season. And we've got him. So from a goalkeeping perspective, he's basically 18. Do you mean? Know what I mean? And, and, and from an outfield player, yeah. he's, he's really, we've, we've got him and he will be the number one goalkeeper for, for many years, in, in my opinion. So knowing he's a developing player, I think that he, the, all the things he said have got a, a sense of truth about it, right? He has some moments
1: where. That's all just, I strive for, to be honest. <laughs> and, but
4: <he's>, he, let's, <laughs> let's talk about goalkeeping styles, right? He's a front foot goalkeeper. He's somebody that wants to yeah. impact things, yeah. he wants to come off his line. That's why we like him. But number one thing I think that we maybe that's not in the data that we haven't really had is that a goalkeeper wants to form a relationship with his back four and he wants to play within a unit. And so those guys have got a clean sheet mentality. So although he may have let in some goals, I think we had more clean sheets this season than any other because they had that mentality amongst them. And so the, the combination, we didn't just get a goalkeeper. We got a, we got a back four for periods of the season, if you know what I mean? And that, and we could see that, we could see that link and that, you know, when you're building a team, you want that, you know, you can have many good goalkeepers that roll in the team that I'm involved with. Our goalkeeper and captain ruptures Achilles pre season. We had we had eight mm. goalkeepers this year. They were all excellent. Some pros. All excellent. What they didn't have was a relationship with the back four. Do you see what I mean they were just goalkeepers? I felt with yeah. Leno, he was just a really good goalkeeper. But there was no link to the to the back four. There was no link to the club. We have got not just a goalkeeper, we've got a potential fantastic human being in our goal that we all link to. And in the end we all need to link to our players and feel something for them. And I think he's, from that perspective, not only has he been really, really good for in the six, although I do recognise there was a drop-off for a period, um, he's transformed the relationship between the, the fans and the players and, and he's been a great uh, flagship, is that the right word, um, for the connectivity and unity we started to see on the pitch to uh, the stands and down the TV screens, right? So for me... I never expected that when we signed him. And when we were going for him, I had a little word with James online because I wanted to see what his thoughts were. Yeah, And he said, yeah. um, I can say it now because it, it was all ITK stuff back then. <laughs> I can say it now. So, <laughs> And he said, you know, I was very interested not just him but his personality and character. And I had no view of that. You know, I just saw goalkeeper that was a, was really good some days and a bit loose than others. And he was so right personality character bravery courage love it you know so he's got a lot of that so I'll, i will go with all the the odd mistake because and he'll make more and people that don't oh, yeah. do anything are the ones that don't make mistakes right so i want him out there trying and being brave so yeah he's all i'm huge fan huge fan of him
1: yeah yeah and i mean again i really believe you know if you look at the top of the game and the best keepers in the game i mean okay there's you know it there are keepers like uh, David De Gea, right? Would you want David De Gea? I wouldn't because I really think that when David De Gea has to kick a football, it is absolutely tragic to watch. And I think that that impacts the, the ways you can play and the ways you can build from the back. And I, I think it's bad when you have that situation. Um, you know, there are keepers that win you games. We saw Real Madrid prove that in the Champions League final, you know, with, with saves. And to be fair, Bern Leno did a bit of that for us at times, but I do look at the Ederson's of the world and the Allison's of the world and the ability to come out and, and play the ball and play a little football. And I think that just adds a dimension to your game. And I think Ramsdale showed that he has it. I don't think he showed it consistently the whole season, but I definitely think he showed that he has it. And again, at the age he is, I'd expect that just to develop further. Mikel will get to work with him more. Um, what I really hope, it's funny, you said he's going to be England number one for a long time. I almost hope he isn't because I think that that can, that can be a death sentence in a way, right? Like, I mean, there's so much pressure that goes with that. And I'm trying to think, I mean, I don't know. Is there an England goalkeeper who hasn't suffered in their career recently as a result of being England's number one? I, you know, I have to admit, obviously, I don't follow the England national team as close yeah, as I the should. The only thing but,
2: I'd say is it doesn't seem to have made Pickford work worse for me. And it does add value and it does add presence and kind of like the more England players we have in our team, the nicer the referees will be to us at some point. (laughs) You would would expect, yeah. Yeah. And having a keeper worth 70 million to another club, like I, I hope Ramsdale's great and he goes on for, we're happy with him and we keep him for a decade and a half. But if we sell him in five years and he's the England keeper, I'll be okay with
1: that. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. So, uh Paul, do you have him as um underperform, I guess? <laughs> um so <laughs> I think he had a
2: season of three thirds. Oh no. The first two thirds were very good. The last third was showed a little ropiness, maybe a little stress, strain, weariness, kind of falling on, you know, our, our defense was a lot more under strain generally, and definitely he was off. I'm gonna go with an overperform because he was not supposed to be we, – we say we brought him in as a starter. We didn't bring him in to start to begin with, and he made that very clear. He did not expect – he was going to have to compete with Leno, and he he kind of – they'd given them the talk, and maybe halfway through the year, something like that, uh, or maybe earlier, uh, his time. And, like, we lost three games in a row. The club was in the washing machine. This is yeah. – an expression I like to use. Yeah. It's something you just came up with. Really like it. Mm -hmm. think it could catch on. And, uh, like the club, the manager, this was the, that week that Arteta said was the best week of his life, his career, because they all basically had a a moment with Jesus and came out of it and he decided he he
1: hasn't, he hasn't signed yet.
2: Oh, okay. (laughs) No, that's, this is where you get yourself into trouble. Sorry, That's Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. No, this is Jesus. Different Got guy it. altogether. Mm-hmm. If we just pronounce all of them differently, Jesus, Jesus, and Jesus, we'll know mm-hmm. who we're talking about on our team.
1: And um, Jesus so, was the guy who could turn Cedric crosses into goals. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: anyway, keep going. Okay. And so, uh, like, throwing in the deep end was brilliant, right? And gave, gave us a whole sense of identity and confidence from the back. And we rode that to the point where we actually got good at some point. And these, you know, he basically threw the six young guys. He basically said, all right, we were shit, but hang on. We bought six players. Give them a chance. Give us a chance. We went young. We we took these new young six players in, threw them in with the other young players we already had, your, your Saka's, your uh we brought you know we had Odegaard bit of a fixture but a, a really young guy and we we rolled the dice with these guys and they were great and yes uh towards the end of the season we started to struggle a bit people got tired this was a huge move for Ramsdale as well like he yeah. went from mm-hmm. Bournemouth and Sheffield United and out of the blue despite relegating two teams he gets his dream move steps up delivers like it was a huge season huge move huge everything and like tim was the one who very early on for me called out the distribution thing and ramsdale has given us all sorts of looks from the back that we never had before right and Mm -hmm. short long chip balls uh daisy cutters unpredictability um and we started to struggle with that late in the season but I loved what he brought to us and the energy of the team, and that's that synergy, that kind of that uh, uh, thing that evolves within a team. And he gets loads of credit for that, and some of the other young fellows who came in. So he's an overperform for me, even if just on goalkeeping terms. I think he's marginally overperform. And uh, I just noticed what um, I had a note from D- the last game I saw with David De Gea, as soon as you were talking about him, and I wrote. David De Gea plays outfield or out from the back like a double agent. He seems to give the other team more than his own. So anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's terrible at it. I I, I think, and, and I don't want to be too um, sensational about this. I, I'm proud of us because we have made it through two players and we're only 20 minutes into the podcast. So give yourself a round of applause, guys. Really, really good stuff. I, I told
3: you we should just focus on five players. Yep. Well, I mean, say, we're wind right, up focusing on,
1: on like three players. We, we are, but I mean, what, what do you want me to do here? We all nodded at Saka and then we took 20 minutes on Ramsdale. <clears throat> to be fair, I think the Ramsdale conversation was excellent. I think it'll probably be one of those things that um, they will play at my funeral, which hopefully is not anytime soon. Occurs to me, by the way, that uh, Jesus was mentioned, and I went with a cross reference. Was not intended in that way. Uh, it was just a poor <laughs> choice of words. I was thinking. You nailed so that it. That, you nailed it. Elliot. That see now that that's not okay, and you did that <laughs> intentionally, whereas I did not. Let's it's move right. on. Tom, I'm Tom a can, He's not the oh. Messiah. Gabriel <laughs> Jesus is not the
3: Messiah. Oh, Gabriel oh, Jesus. Very Jesus. Okay, boy. got it.
1: Let's let's just let's just take a beat. Get our get our composure back. Okay. Takahiro Tomiyasu, overperformed. Clive, yes? Yes. Yes. Brilliant. Yes. Yeah, choked up. Yep. Okay, Tim, yes? Oh, my God, yes. Okay. Oh, my God, yes. Yes, yes. I'll have what he's having. Paul, yes?
2: Sensational. The most two-footed player in our team. Almost Santi Cazorla level. 45%. This is for Tim. This is a section just for Tim. 45%
1: with his left foot. Well done. That is as close as Paul's going to get to a yes answer, <laughs> yes or no answer to a question. Okay, I've got feelings. We move on and we go to one that I do think we are going to take a bit of time on. We will move faster through some of these, but let's do Benjamin White. Um, uh, Clive, let me start with you. Underperformed, met, or overperformed?
4: Uh, I think he overperformed. I think he did really well. I'm not sure. I th- I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of him. I, I think he's um, yeah one of the. When I look at it from a team perspective, much like Ramsdale, he's one of the transformational type players. We play to him, you know. So if you compare him to the the recently mentioned David Louise, he was that player that we needed to be the ball playing technical leader from the back. And but but he was somebody that didn't protect his own game. He was, he was brave enough to stand on the halfway line, and so that changes everything for how we play, distances by which we play. And our ability to control the pace of play. So people tend to look at Ben White and the last thing that he's done. And every now and again, he'll make a defensive mistake or defensive decision that puts him under pressure. And, and, he, and he will continue to do so, as will all our defenders, because that's what it's all about—decision making. But he has the athletic ability to play where he likes. He can play with two feet. He can carry. He can stride. He can clip balls off both feet. He can switch play. So now I know he can do all these things. His, his ability to go tight around the corner, he's top, really, really good at attacking the ball. When he's close to the defender, from the attacker, he can really go around people and, and transition. Um, I, really, I really like him. He's always fit, touch wood. And, um, and in the air, where his trick is, is he's, he's good in the air, but he's good in the air. His real trick is his, is his pace of feet, it's how we adjust to see the flight of the ball, and it's something that's it's really, really. He's got very light feet, and that allows him to adjust really well. So, I'm, I'm I, from a team perspective, he's a he's a massive plus for me, and um, I, 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 I'm here for it. I'm here. I actually think I think I said it before. It wouldn't bother me if he was if he was captain. It, it wouldn't bother me at mm. all. I think he's got this. If you watch closely, when, when it's really hitting the fan, he, he's there, mate. He's right there. You know, he shows the start yeah. of, okay, you want it? Well, I want it. You know, and I love that. And we've seen that in some of our historical players. And if that's what you got from first season. Once he feels really, really comfortable, I think you're going to see more from him next season. Touchwood, if he um, stays fit and healthy.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, well, all right, Paul, what do you have for Benjamin White? Matt?
4: I'm going to go with um,
2: just about met expectations. Uh, like, I love the player, but we paid a lot of money for him, and we expected a shitload from him, and I think that was your criterion. Yeah. Um, so there was that thing that came out with the Athletic. Uh, Gunner blog shared it, and it was uh, what's the, John Space Muller did the pass maps for the teams in the Premier League. Uh, this year, and it's uh, it, it's that classic shape you see with the pass maps. And you look at the top teams, you look at City, you look at Liverpool, you look at Chelsea, and you look at us, and we fit in there. It's not quite as symmetric as them. The lines aren't quite as heavy in terms of number of the passes between the player players in their positions. But it's it's getting to a very nice shape. It's not a horseshoe, I can tell you that for nothing. And it's right up the pitch where the best teams play. Some other teams... Yeah are high up the pitch, but they got no pass lines. It's just where they get their touches. You know, your Burnleys might be reasonably up the pitch uh, in terms of where they do their... But it's because they lump it up and then chase it or, you know. And here we are. We've got this nice passing structure that's starting to look like City and Liverpool, uh, a little different to Chelsea, uh, with the guys all in their spots. And uh, there's Ben White and... Uh, Gabriel, who are allowing us to play with a high line and a good uh, passing structure and network and giving us access. And like I think uh, Gabriel Magliesz has very much overperformed for me. This isn't his section. But between the two of them, they both give us something on both sides uh, to support the passing structure, to step into midfield with the ball as the free man and shake things up and white still learning how to do that in in our team and our structure and get more end product or a better pass from it uh but what white has done has allowed us to make that big shift from what we did the previous year to last year and i think it's kind of the toothpaste thing we're just gradually playing our game further and further higher and higher possession uh i think he's given it uh, on top of all the things that That Clive has said, and Tim will add to it, I think he's just allowed us. He's given us the ticket to the ballpark with Gabrielle to play high up the pitch. The back four, Ramsdale. That's a unit party ahead of them. That all just works together. And White has met the brief and allowed us to do that.
1: I think that's a good answer. You're going to regret it when we come to the Gabriel section and you don't get to answer. I just want you to Mm -hmm. know that.
2: I'm Uh, fine with that. But I I do think as a pair, they've both done enough of the same stuff to allow us to move all the way up the pitch to where good teams play.
1: Yeah, well said. Tim, uh, what what do you got for Benjamin White?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, Paul said a lot of the things I was
3: going to say. So I'm going to say meh. But with the caveat that I'm talking about a £50 million England defender that that's a heavy that's quite a heavy like that's quite a high bar to me and i think he's met it um and and i completely agree with paul like when you when it comes to center backs you think of it in terms of partnerships so i won't repeat that the the couple of things i'll say on ben white first of all i didn't really like him as much at the beginning i i was a bit like I i i looked in those opening months and don't get me wrong it wasn't my final judgment i was thinking you know It was just, okay, at the moment I feel like we've bought a footballer but not a defender, you know? Yeah. Um, And and my opinion on that has completely changed now. Um, And, you know, obviously it takes time for those bonds to form. The the thing I'll say is that when Ben White's name is on the team sheet, which is pretty much every game, um, I I skip over it. And that's what should happen with your centre-backs, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's when you look at a team sheet or a team lineup that's posted, you should be looking at like the front three. Like, yeah. Who's the front three today? Like I know broadly who the central midfielders are going to be depending on fitness. Like, is it Smith, Royal Martinelli? What's happening here? Your eyes should just skate the fuck over the center backs. Cause no one should really care. unless it's like, Oh my God, he's playing Mustafi today. or Oh my God, is this a back three? <laughs> is that, are we playing like, what are we doing here? Like, My eyes skip over it, and and that is exactly what you want um, from a defender for that much money. So I'm going to say Met, but like a good, solid Met. And he's one of the players I'm looking at next season, and I think I reckon we'll get another 5%, 10% from him next season as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have him as Met also, and it's because, and I, I think this is really important when we talk about expectations. Neither Ramsdale nor Benjamin White are some feel-good story. They're not. Aaron Ramsdale's one of the most expensive goalkeepers ever signed, you know, outside of the, the oil clubs. And Benjamin White's one of the most expensive center backs. So that doesn't mean that they don't get to grow and develop and take their natural path. But it means that they don't get to be a feel-good story. They don't get to be like wow, w- this unheralded player we discovered, and suddenly they were good. Clive, you disagree with that? Well,
4: yeah, I, I do a little bit because okay, yeah, the, the, the market is it's just a homegrown market, right? So, right. Ben Ben White is probably a forty million pound centre back, right? You know, and and Ramsdale's probably a twenty million pound goalkeeper. We have to pay twenty five plus five for Ramsdale, and and forty five plus five for Ben White. I think it is in the end, or fifty million straight out. And yeah. luckily we had, had to pay 25 mil cash up front for Tierney. Because a homegrown player, they can settle in quickly. Although Tierney's not technically homegrown, but you see what I mean. Um, settle in quickly. And I think we should almost throw that thought process away when it comes to these players, because we know they're a premium. We know we're overpaying. and But we decided to do it because they matched what the club is trying to do, the age profile, and from a playing style perspective, they they matched, you know, and maybe more so than many of us recognized before the season started. So on that, I sure. hear you. I hear you in principle, but we were forced to do it because of the fact they were both English. That's all.
1: Sure. No, I, and, and my point isn't that we paid the wrong amount. What I'm saying is Takahiro Tomiyasu was a 16 million pound signing from Syria who just played at an extraordinary level. and, and, that, to me, is how you wind up with exceed. Benjamin White played, let's see, 2,880 league minutes, started 32 games in the Premier League. He was an ever-present in a defense that I thought was fine. He He was never a real liability. We got from him, roughly, what I think we needed to get from him in terms of the fact that we wanted to plug him into the center of our defense and play him every single game and have him be a reliable contributor, both defensively and in terms of moving the ball around, and he did that. And he did that, and if you look at his passing stats, there's a lot of 77th percentile, 78th percentile, 80th percentile stuff in terms of progressive passes, passes into the final third, shot creating actions, and I think there's more to come there where he's really elite. Ironically, Clive, our scouting video, I think kind of nailed him, right? Front-footed defender, likes to try to poke the ball first action, win it. He loves to carry it. Maybe his carrying is is more impressive than his passing. We did get a little uh, joke At times this season of Ben White's going on an adventure, right? Because he would take that ball and up the pitch he went. I don't think he always knew, had the pictures where he was going to go with it. But when you see the way he carries and passes and wins for duels in the first time of asking, and you look at the age he's at, I think you see a platform from which a really superstar level defender can be built. I think this season, he met the expectations of what we needed from the transfer, and I see more to come from the player. And to Paul's point, which is an important one, I really do think center-back pairings, look, everyone points to Virgil Van Dyke, Virgil Van Dyke or Van Dyke. However, you, you know what? Whatever name you got to give these players, you do it. But that's kind of like pointing to Leo Messi and being like, well, he's not this. Like Sometimes you have to take the, the, the unique example out of the equation because once you start to compare to players like that, you lose any kind of rational basis for evaluation. Center-back pairings, to me, are pairings. Kashelny and Mertesacker worked. But Murdasacker had clear liabilities. He needed some of the things Kashelny could do and vice versa. Gabriel and White works. And so I think it's important to look at it in that context the way Paul did. Paul, you had your digital hand raised in our little uh, recording software here. So uh, may I ask you to say a final word on Benjamin White, who we all agree um, could have had a better season at the end, I think. And I don't think anyone can describe it, not even Clive. He could have finished the season more strongly if he didn't have the Love Island season in his mind. If he wasn't already thinking about filming Love Island, I think he would have finished a little more strongly. But aside from that, excellent season. Go ahead, Paul.
2: Yeah, I want to say something about Ben White by saying something about Aaron Ramsdale and goalkeeper valuations. They have not caught up. The fact that we think the $25 for a goalkeeper is a lot of money is nuts. That's like 10, 15 years ago when they were shot stoppers. I like, agree. I totally agree. Are, like, so we should delete from our conversations that Aaron Ramsdale was an expensive signing as a goalkeeper. $25 million for cheap. a top prospect, as we cheap. now look at it. Incredibly cheap. Millpool like, spent $17
4: million, was it? On that, it Yep. Yep. We bought a and, centre back, English, same age,
2: <laughs> $50 million, but we think $25 million for a goalkeeper who gives you all these things, hopefully, is a lot. It's nuts. No, you're you're right.
1: Nuts. Not to mention that from a wage standpoint, when you what you pay him then is manageable mm-hmm. versus what you're paying. I mean, United yep. are paying De Gea, or you know what Chelsea. Ha- I mean, when you think about what Chelsea have just thrown away, flushed down the toilet in terms of keeper money, it's insanity. They finally found a really good one, but my my God, they <laughs> they went round the bend to get there. So. Yes, you make a good point. I'm simply saying that based on what the market is for keepers, when you spend that money on a keeper, you are saying, we're going backwards here. You're, you're they, saying yeah. they're going to play. Okay,
2: They went around the bendy to get there.
1: <laughs> Literally, yeah. Okay, uh, let's, uh, okay. I, I want to just nod in <laughs> agreement over Gabriel Magali eyes, but I'm not sure I'm going to get that from people. I'm going to say Mets. And I feel like we could probably move on if we all agree he had a good season and he met, but Paul's shaking his head. So we're not going to get that agreement. Paul, uh, look, g- give me, I, give me I, I one gotta, minute on where you are with Gabriel Miguel. I'm going to give you 10 seconds. Perfect. Like we didn't know if he was a starter or
2: if Arteta thought he was a starter That's the season point. before, and he had some injuries and like, you. Know, but like as a Cl- Clive, hold the nod back there. Like, <laughs> don't come at me with that violence. Uh, he's shaking his head a little bit. Uh, like, Clive knew, but lots of us weren't sure. I liked him, but I needed to see like I think they've been a great centre back pairing this year, and yes. that's an overperformance Okay in some senses, right?
3: Fine,
1: let's go overperform then. You find it overperformed, Tim?
3: I'm I'm fine with that. I, I don't have a huge view. I, I think he's been good. Yippee. Yep. Yeah, he's good. He's, a Clive,
2: and he's fast uh, and he's physical and he brings it like I love him and he's brought the other part of the
1: game that some people didn't think he had so yeah you know. I like him as an overperform let's let's shift him to overperform I agree because the thing I forgot was last season he finished the season not necessarily starting every game now that could have been because of illness and injury and stuff like that but friends, Clive are you yeah. fine shifting him to overperform
4: Oh, yes, mate. Uh, From the moment he's walked in, for me, he's been our best defender. You know my thoughts. Yeah. From a pure defensive perspective. And there are things around him, you know, while he's learning to speak the language, etc. There are things around him that made him look a bit rash. But, mate, defensively, once I saw him against Harry Kane and absolutely dominated. Owned him. And There's I a thought, reason okay. Harry
2: Kane or Son
4: stayed the hell away from him yeah. in that game. I saw that. I thought, that's yeah. enough. That's enough for me. You're, you're in the...
1: Yeah, you're in the, I agree. Yeah, I, I think he's an overperformer. I I I don't know why I started with Met because at the end of the day, he I do think he is our best defender. And I I think, again, an ever-present, a guy that we were very fortunate to have um, all season long. So, and the pairing. It is about the pairing. You know, Clive mentioned being a little rash, and I think we can all agree the one thing you don't want to have, especially in your privates, is a rash. Um, and you know there are a lot of ways you can wind up with a rash. You can use uh, an old razor in the shower to shave your privates. You could wear the wrong boxers, like in the summer, especially when you're sweating, you're wearing the wrong boxers. That can be a, a cause for a rash. I was in Scotland. I was hiking around a lot. Thankfully, I was wearing my Manscaped boxers, and like I was fine. But the, the other people I was there with, my God, the amount of scratching of privates during that walk, I was like. I don't. I don't know that I should be sharing an Airbnb with you. Guys That's why they wear kilts. <laughs> easy access. Um, okay, so basically, obviously, we're talking about Manscaped, as you know at this point. And and what I can say is that they have these amazing boxers. These 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 wonderful, perfectly fitted boxers. They have a. a, a, a I mean, there's no polite way to say this. A pouch. They call it the jewel pouch. But like it, they're just fitted. They're comfortable. They're high performance boxers. They're breathable. Um, you're, you're going to love them. And again, just another fantastic product from Manscaped along with the lawnmower 4.0, the best electric trimmer for below the waist grooming. It's got skin safe technology designed to trim hair on loose skin, long battery life, wet, dry usage. Uh, you're going to love it. Please, please give these guys the chance. You're going to love what they do for really a, an important part of you take, take better care of the important parts of you and they will take care of you in return. Get 20% off free shipping with the code, uh, Arsenal vision. Isn't that our code? Manscaped.com, promo code Arsenal Vision. Yeah, that's right. 20% off, free shipping with code Arsenal Vision at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code Arsenal Vision at manscaped.com. Once the boxers 2.0 are on your body, you will never go back. Now, as cool as that is, there's even more that I can tell you about here. And so I just, look, sometimes there's like copy and I'm supposed to read it and I have to read all the stuff in yellow or I have to read the stuff in red. And sometimes I'm like, just let me say my piece here because AG1, the supplement from Athletic Greens, I love it. I use it every day. It has been a transformative part of my daily routine. I'm not taking these gummies loaded up with sugar. I'm not feeling um, the – I have like major gut issues just where – I, I would be in discomfort throughout the day. AG1 is not just vitamins, but it's also probiotic and adaptogens. It has been great for that, that gut, you know, it's that biome right in there that you gotta keep healthy for energy, for concentration, for focus, all of these things. I find that the AG1 has made a big difference. And some people lately have been saying, Hey, I think your hosting is going well. And I'm like, it's not me, it's the AG1. So I'm telling you, this stuff is great. And just a few things you should know, it is lifestyle-friendly. So if you're looking for something you can take every day that's keto or paleo or vegan or dairy-free or gluten-free, this is it. Uh, About the cost of, you know, a a fancy coffee per day, over 7,000 five-star reviews. I mean, it's just a fantastic product. And what you're going to get if you order it now is you're going to get the bonus vitamin D edition, which... I live in a place that's not sunny a lot of the year, so that's been really important for me, and you're going to get bonus travel packs. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting uh, vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com vision. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash vision to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance, and I really cannot recommend that highly enough. And last but not least, indeed, you know them. They're the best hiring partner in the world. We talk about them all the time. I've been talking about in instant match where you post a a job and you get um, resumes that match your must have requirements. But really, I want to tell you about virtual interviews because we're moving to a virtual workspace world and virtual interviews lets you interview uh, virtually without plugins, without downloads, without additions to your computer. It makes it extremely simple. You're going to get better candidates. And remember, Indeed is a place where if you do not get those must have, those candidates that meet your must have requirements, you don't pay. So, I mean, it really is about as good a value as you can ask for. Sign up for Indeed now and get a $75 credit towards your first sponsored job, plus earn up to $500 extra in sponsored job credits with Indeed's virtual interviews. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to learn more. Claim your credits at Indeed.com slash BlueWire to learn more. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire you. In Indeed, Clive?
4: Is that enough of that? Indeed.
1: Indeed. I, I will tell you that uh, because we are striving to go long on every single player evaluation, I strive to go long on the reference to the sponsors and wonderful people that keep this podcast afloat. So thanks to them and thanks to you for tolerating that. Clive is dropping knowledge in the WhatsApp chat. I don't have time for that. I do have time to talk about Kieran Tierney. We're going to make it through the back four in this episode. You know what? I'm going to make an executive decision. Monday's episode is going to be defenders and part of the midfield and Thursday's episode is going to be the attackers. And you know what? That was always the plan. It's not because we're verbose, it's not because we go long. That was always the plan. I'm just announcing it now, right? This is this is how it works. We we had a plan. We just didn't share it with you. Now we're sharing it with you. And I promise it's not because of Paul. It's because of Paul. Okay, here we go. Kidding Paul kidding. We love you. You, you bring out aspects to the conversation that we would not have had otherwise, uh which is also another Bloody way right. of saying uh, you Bloody know what? Right. It's about runtime. It's all about runtime. So let's get to Kieran Tierney. And unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get just a nod of agreement on this one either. So I will start with you, Tim. Yes. Underperformed, met, or overperformed?
3: Has to be underperformed. Um just because, mainly because of the injuries. He did also lose his place to Nuno Tavares um, for four Premier League games in November. To be fair, I think that was more about Tavares than him, and I don't think that was ever going to be any kind of permanent. I think it was just Tavares played well for a couple of games and Arteta wanted to keep him going, which is fair enough. Um, I mean, I will say it's maybe a bit harsh because I think he was asked to do something quite different. Um, particularly when Tommy Asu was out and he was asked to kind of hold back a little bit um, in his game. And I think he did that well yep. enough. And that shows that, you know, he's a good player. He's versatile. He's one of the guys you can trust to ask to do some, something slightly different, which you can't do that with every player. Um, like nobody's asking Cedric to tuck in and try and be a centre-back, even like, you know, like a third centre-back, even though he's 30, because he can't do it whereas Tien is one of those guys you can go okay this isn't your natural game but you're good enough to do it and he is so but even with that i just think again getting injured at um, a crucial part of the season I, I didn't really like interviews around like how he felt that pain quite a bit before and he keeps i do think a big part of his injuries is that he keeps playing through pain and that someone's got to have a conversation with him to stop trying to be the hero all the time Um, And, you know, maybe put some tracksuit bottoms on in the winter, you know. (laughs) I sound like Mm, his dad here. Um, But, yeah, so, like, I I love the player. I think he's a great player. I I don't think he necessarily played badly. It's just that there were other things going on that mean it's an underperform. And it's an underperform because I think he's a really good player as well. It's not that he played badly. It's just I think, obviously, we, we can and will see better of Tierney.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting because, and I'll have him as a Met, because I think the expectation is that Kieran Tierney is going to play well for portions of a season and then be absent for portions of the season. And he did that. And I just think that the real debate about Kieran Tierney isn't whether he's a good player. I think he is manifestly a good player. I mean, is is he Robertson? I don't know if he's that good, but he's not far off. But the problem is, if you have a player who's good and plays half a season, you don't have a player. You have half a player because you need another player who can match that level for the other part of the season. And not just match the level, but match the style, right? Because when you're a Mikel Arteta and you're playing positional football and you have very specific requirements of your players, the player that is your first choice, his backup has to be able to play in the same way or you can't play in the same way. And so we're going to come to Nuno Tavares, who I think is an excellent player in his own right in some ways, but he is never going to be Kieran Tierney. They are never going to be the same. And so that means even if Tavares brings his level up to where we feel really confident in him, and Clive's already there, then when Tavares is playing, you're playing different football than when Tierney's playing. And I think that is a challenge. So for me, I have Tierney as a Met. I think when we played our best football... Ironically, often without Tomiyasu, it was Tierney who did such a nice job, as as Tim referenced, being able to give us what we needed. Not to mention that Tierney likes to overlap. He likes to be an a, a, a front-footed fullback. But granted, Shaka was his left eight. That created a difference too, right? The, the right back gets to play with the Odegaard Saka wing. The left back had to play with a Shaka and Martinelli Smith rowe wing, and not to knock any of those players, but it's a much different dynamic. So I love what Tierney did when he played. I don't think he's perfect, but I think he's solid. But if you have half a player, you have no player. And that is a problem for me. If I was Arsenal, I would be looking to move on from Kieran Tierney. Because if you can't have a 30-game Kieran Tierney or a 32 or 33-game Kieran Tierney, I don't think you want him. I just, And I know that's harsh. I know that is harsh. But again, just to restate the point, if you have a player you really depend on who's really good and you really like, and he's gone half the season, you have to have two players of that quality. And I don't think that's realistic at this stage in our build. So love, love Kieran Tierney needs to stay fit or we need to move another direction is sort of my instinct. Uh, Clive, how do you feel about Tierney in terms of underperform met or overperform?
4: I think he met, um, but I'm not sure Mm -hmm. I'm getting these, I'm not sure I'm getting these gradings right. (laughs) I think he met. But what I will say is, I had a, and I will say this, I think I said it online as well. I was concerned about the signing full stop because, you know, I do follow Scottish football and Mm -hmm. he was overplayed as a youngster playing for Celtic. He has lots of issues and his pelvic area and they played him 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 yep and these injuries are not a surprise to me and I got in a bit of, you know there's a few people that follow me that said to me come on Clive, you've got to give him a break he's not even signed yet but I just sort of know you know I know from previous experience You followed his career since he was a kid he's had injuries and he's played a lot of football injured and he is a hero guy, right? He plays for the Pain Barrier. So that was a problem. When he signed for us, was he he wasn't fit when he signed. Remember? He wasn't fit yep. when he signed. He
1: just had the hernia, right?
4: Yeah, so so that was a yep. problem. That's so when it comes to him as a footballer, well, I think he's great. You know, I think he's great. He's multi-positional. He played in the back three, back five, he can play wing back, he can play in a flat back four, he can play 13 the back. When he plays for Scotland, he's Robertson's equal and more. Right, so the talent's not an issue. Health is the issue, right? Um, and if you look at our last two seasons, we have had an issue around the left back spot. The potentially has cost us Europe twice, you know. And um, well said. and it has yeah. it cost us the Europa League final, you know. A main night would be imploding, so who knows what that really did cost us. And this year, you know, what are we talking about here? You know, we talking about someone playing in pain and then sort of popping their leg in the gym. What are we doing? Grow up. Grow up. Duck out of friendlies. Look after yourself. Do you know what I mean? And it's important stuff, right? It's important stuff to a lot of people. And these are the five margins by which we are judged. You know, so I love the player, but there are things around it which I have concerns about. So footballing-wise, yeah, he's he's top, right? He's he's up there. Um, But everything around it needs to be refreshed, and he needs a good look at himself. Tim, I don't know if you remember back in the day when Robin Van Persie was quite similar. Felt a pain in his thigh, played through it, popped it. Three months out, we miss out on big trophies. Do you know what I mean? Didn't know his own body. That stuff bothers me. Get hold of it. Listen, grow up mature. And make sure you're available because it's a part of your job description. Do you know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, footballing-wise, I'm cool. The other stuff, grow up son grow up and let's be there be present for our football
1: club yeah well said um paul you want to finish us off on kieran tierney
2: yeah i think he's uh a solid underperform I, obviously okay. I, mm-hmm. I love the player so that's not the question but this season right. like even when he was fit the discussion was largely about why is he not playing well now you could there's nuance to it and my personal feeling was we changed the system we were comparing him to how we played when we played horseshoe football and he was all of our attack or his wing was and now we have a much more varied game we balanced it out tierney was doing much more kind of partnering support defending while we kind of worked it up the right wing with some zigzag clever football you know we were very playing it up through the middle um so like while he was fit um, there was a big debate about was he having an off-season or not. So, I, like, I thought he was fine. He was okay. But it certainly wasn't a standout season. Um, and we he was, he was playing a bit more. He was kind of like a bit like Chaka. He was playing more of a role to provide a platform for other people to shine or not. So it was okay. Um, but compared to previous seasons, what we expect. And then, like, one of his strengths is, is putting in crosses. He puts in great whipped crosses. We've yet to have the player who can take advantage of them in the center. So that, that doesn't play to his strengths, but you know, mm. it, it, he didn't find, he was big on the city goal, uh, where we went one up against city at, at home. Like that was his run that kept brought it in towards midfield, crossed it to, uh, Saka for the great goal that set us up. So he had his moments within the season, but his job is to be around for the final third of the season, and the guy has to look. Part of the problem with football is the incentives are wrong. And I, hope, uh, I apologise to my Scottish cousins in Gaelicism or whatever it is, but I'm delighted from an Arsenal standpoint that Scotland are out of the World Cup. Not just because he won't be playing, but I hope that really, really hurts Kieran Tierney that for the second season in a row, he's missed out when we needed him badly at Arsenal. And he wasn't there when Scotland needed him.
1: Do you mean to sort of teach him a lesson about how to take care of his body and be sensible? That the most important thing
2: he can do is to make sure he's there when it matters. Yeah. And that's a skill, too, that uh, all that stoicism, all that... As they say, I never really thought about that, but all that playing in the cold with no tracksuits, I mean, it's admirable and shit, but who cares? Uh, uh, I love it, but not nearly as much as I love you being available when we yeah. played Newcastle, <laughs> Brighton,
1: uh, Crystal Palace, Southampton. Be there. That's you, your job. You're not a hard bastard if it leads to you having muscle injuries like, right? <laughs> like there's nothing like i love that you want to wear shorts and shirt sleeves in the cold but if that means that you pull all your muscles or break all your
4: bones yeah we, we don't know i really that do link. love it but can we just clarify that I, link kidding. is not clear yeah i just want to make sure no no of course yeah. of course
1: not that is me being playful um okay to, to be fair clive knows a lot
2: about football so i think i think we can lead with it i think that's our lead
1: yeah by the way for those of you who are here for darwin nunez content like i have nothing to say about Liverpool adding a hundred million pound striker. Like if you want to go listen to the Anfield rap, like be my guest. What I will say is if you want to see why it might not work out, Clive and I did a scouting video of Darwin Nunez on our Patreon and yes, he's fast and big and strong and pretty and scores and shoots. What was the downside again? Oh yeah. Um, Trapping the ball and passing the ball. I think there may be some questions there, but to be fair, Liverpool don't actually trap past the ball. Say, they just t- tackle you, run into the box and let Trent Alexander-Arnold put it on your foot to score. So that may work out just fine for them. You were going to say, yeah, Clive?
4: I was going to say the context by which we scouted him was the context by the way Lacazette played. And we were looking very closely at link up. Yeah. And Liverpool, he also plays left a lot, right? So yeah, so, left so, mm-hmm. yeah I think Liverpool will get him running one direction. Do you know what I mean, and he won't be coming back to his own half like Lacazette playing left back. Right? So I think he'll be fine.
1: Well, to be fair, I don't know if that was the plan or if that was just that Lacazette couldn't, you know, make it you know what? Let's not do that. Let's let's not do that. The man has moved on and and we thank him for his service. Okay, uh as we round the bend here, let's let's give you the, the chance, Clive, because I think you feel the most passionate about this one. Nuno Tavares. Underperformed, met or overperformed?
4: Uh I think he, he I think he met for me, um, but he's a £7 million player. So if I go back to your earlier criteria, he probably overperformed because he played over 20 games for us. And but I think there's a lot to, to this player that people are um, well, basically, we've got a wing back, haven't we? That's what we've got. We've got a wing back that sometimes needs a to play as a fullback. And the fullback skills are not as good as the wing back skills. The wing back skills are extraordinary, the fullback skills are, are to be developed. You know, we've done this before, by the way. We've done this with Kalashnik, who was voted the uh, the German wingback of the season, and we brought him in as a fullback, right? So, um, yeah. and we all know what happened there, right? So, so that's that's the summary, the easy summary. Um, I do think he has a lot to work with, and and I can't get away from that feeling, right? I don't think he gets run past by anybody, and he ran past anybody he wants. So one on ones, he's fine. But it's one-on-ones in what areas of the pitch? If he's in his box close to his goal, the concentration levels are not not that great, right? So if he's outside of his box, concentration levels are good, right? So, so I think it's just a he just we have an incomplete player. But I do feel some of the the analysis is, is so it's so I don't know. I just feel it's like it's almost like it's it's like it's like light and dark. It's just like. Nope, that's it. He's nowhere near it. He's miles away. Blah blah blah. I'm thinking yep. I I I I'm looking at it. I'm thinking, maybe I just look at football differently. I'm thinking, yeah, he's not perfect. I flip it out. Even Rob Holding. You know what I mean? I don't see the I don't see the same light and dark analysis there. Do you see what I mean? There are things that Rob Holding does brilliantly well. There are things he he can't do and never will be able to do. do you know, and I can say that when yep. he's 26, 27. With Nuno, you know, his first season. These things can be taught. You know, some of these things can be taught. And the game plan can be shifted to highlight his primary positive skill sets rather than play him in situations that um, that really do make him, you know, show his weaknesses, shall we say. So my view is imperfect player, interesting player. Is he a he is he a, stare, is a go? That Maybe that is a question even. But for me, I just think some analysis is so... Light and dark that I I don't think it's valid for what he's actually done, and someone just sent me something actually. a Guy called Mi Rage. I think I'm not sure I'm getting his name right, Twitter name right. And he sent mm-hmm. me the statistics between Nuno and uh, Tierney. Mm-hmm. And now I'm not someone that judges purely on statistics, for me, <clears throat> but if you were to look at, I was the about two, to bring
1: them up, so you can you can go. Yep. Okay. If you you
4: can um if you if you look at them. Nuno you know, looks very favourable, right? So then I'll stick into the WhatsApp radio. I think Nuno you know, looks very favourable. And that's not that's not to justify my my position. It's more like, come on, guys, there's something to work with here. And that's my position. Yep. There's something to work with that could be really positive. And just to finish up, with I sat next to Tim for the last game, and we watched it. And we watched the relationship with him and Martinelli. I know that game was slightly, maybe not one to judge anything by, but... Into the game. Tim saw some things he maybe hadn't seen before, and and I think there's in the end, much like White and Gabrielle, there's a the partnership that could be developed there. Really easy with the intensity, defensive intensity, the ability to move, progress, go forward. Once twenty-one, once twenty. 120, I mean, I'm just I'm just not ready to write people off at age. I'm just not ready to write people off. That's just my view, really.
1: I mean, it, it is interesting when you look at the data because you start to see some things that stand out from him. Um, progressive carries, dribbles completed, touches in the... I mean, he's 97th percentile for touches in, in the penalty area, the, the attacking penalty area. 83rd percentile for progressive passes received. He is a front-footed fullback. I mean, we, we see that. We know that. He's in the 87th percentile for aerial duels one. For example, Tierney is only in the 24th percentile. So you see that physical power. Um, Much better at pressures. Much better at interceptions. Now there are things that he needs to learn just the standard positioning for a defender how to engage as a defender and and I think concentration which by the way a guy named William Saliba probably needs to learn that too but what I will say about Nuno Tavares who I have as exceeded is that this guy hadn't played we he played more games this season at top level than he had played in his career previously and we you know we one of the problems with football is it's a low-event sport, right? There's very few events that actually affect the outcome. Nuno Tavares had a couple of high-profile errors that affected the outcomes of games. And I think both the fans and maybe Arteta really, really uh, emphasized them in their analysis of him. A couple of games where he cost us. I think the Liverpool game is one, right, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, he had one more game. I'm not remembering he had an error. And, and as a result... That has come to, I think, define the way we think about him. And that has meant that we've lost some of the things that he did well. And I actually think he is a player who physically, in terms of his tools, in terms of what he can be, is very exciting. And he's probably right about in the area of his development where we expect him to be. He played more than I think we would have wanted him to play. But when you're Kieran Tierney's backup, that's kind of how it works. I I like this player. And I think that there's something there. But I think, you know, Sometimes when you're 22 pushing 23, you're on the brink of being a fully developed player. But if we're going to give like an Eddie Nketiah the excuse of he hasn't played much, he's just starting to break out, he's a late developer, we have to give it to Nuno Tavares, who hardly played at all as a professional until this season, really. So, Paul, you want to come back on that? And give your ranking for him or performance review for him?
2: Yeah, I think he's an underperform. Interesting. Okay, why? We wanted a fullback that we could play when Tierney wasn't available because Tierney wasn't available a lot. Yes. And Nuno Tavares did not provide that.
1: I, I get you. Yeah, I mean, well, Arte- so the funny thing is, did Nuno Tavares not provide that or did Mikel Arteta Nuno,
2: yeah, Nuno, no, not look, trust yeah, him enough? Yeah. You know, but it doesn't really matter because he was hired for a role in a team that plays a certain way Yeah, and Arteta doesn't dislike the person he got yanked against Nottingham Forest not because of high profile errors. I mean, what were his high profile errors? No, that was Nottingham just Forest. positioning and placement. Stuff, but all, I mean, well. Yeah, he wasn't playing the game. So there's a really good interview out there where he talks about that. And yeah. he says himself he wasn't at the level and his motivation wasn't right. And look, he's a very talented boy. We saw that. And yeah, it really stood out when we were at the Everton game. Uh, the partnership with Martinelli, what he brings, the the threat he brings when he cuts on a diagonal infield, There's loads to love about Nuno Tavares. Uh, but my, he, when we looked at the six players we signed uh, during the la- the summer transfer window, he was the guy I thought there was the most risk with, because he was kind of last minute. It, it felt like we got about seven or ten million left in the kitty. Who can we get? <laughs> as a left fullback to fill in who has potential but might be a bit raw and he's very raw um he's a very young fella and i don't mean chronologically i don't mean age-wise when you see that interview you realize there's a world of difference in terms of how mature he is at this point um and like we're we're talking about sending him on loan and i think lots of people think ooh, a loan would be good for nuno Tavares. we're looking at left full backs Um, and it's not that he doesn't have talent and ability we've seen that and like i think the thing that bothers well one of the things that would bother me is in the everton game there's this bit where he passes to their player for no reason i can understand like nothing much is happening the game is in reasonable shape he's got a Kind of almost a rondo of players around him. He can pass to one of ours, one of theirs, one of ours. Nothing's really going on, and he—it's a seven-yard pass ahead of him, and he passes to their guy. And I'm like, did a pretty girl just walk by? Did somebody just say his sandwich is ready? I'm like, I'm there for like, okay, other players do it too, and I just think his focus is not where it needs to be yet. And he just might be one of those players who kind of, he doesn't even know why he switches on and off. And like he has ability, he has talent, he has physical gifts that are to die for. I agree with Clive. He's a really interesting player. And yet I can absolutely see why if we, why we would get another center left fullback and send Nuno out on loan for another year to develop the maturity, adapt, transition to playing in in England. There's all sorts of reasons why I fully understand why he struggled to some degree in in his first year and why I would have high hopes for him in the future. But I think he'll always have a bit of the mentals in terms of focus, motivation, seriousness, Mm. and he might need a year or so. And in terms of expectations, we didn't it can't be expectations if we think we might need to send him on loan for a year, and I yeah, can and see maybe, why we would.
1: Maybe this is actually a topic for when we do Mikel Arteta's performance review at the very, very end of all this. Because And Adu's. Well, and Adu's, because I, I, I think we bought a guy with almost no experience who was not particularly well-liked by the fan base he came from for some of the reasons you're mentioning, but who had tremendous physical tools, but physical tools that I think are not some of the stuff that Tierney can do. Clive's getting twitchy. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I, well, let's do this. Let's bring Tim into this first before Clive. We will, that'll give you a chance to decompress just a little bit before you jump back in. I mean, Tim, where do you, where do you fall on that? Because I, I like the player. I really do. But I think Paul made some really good points and really good counterpoints to, to this discussion that maybe are worth considering because if I'm going to say Benjamin White met expectations, because he was expected to come in and be a star center back, then Tabrez had to meet the expectations of being the backup fullback who could come in and play the role. And in the beginning of the season he did, but down the stretch when it was critical, clearly the manager felt he couldn't trust him and that cost us. But is that the manager's fault or the player's fault? Your mileage may vary. So where, where do you fall on this?
3: Yeah, I, I, I can't really decide because ultimately at the business end of the season when Tierney got injured, he wasn't really trusted. Yep. At the same time, like Paul says as well, he was a punt. It was a complete punt, and I'm under no illusion that it was, look, we've got some serious shit to do. Let's not waste loads and loads of time on the backup left-back. There are a couple of things I'd like to draw on. First, just to sum him up as a player, great on the ball, not so good off the ball. That's what we're saying. All his data is favourable on-the-ball action stuff, but it's the, it's, it's the off-the-ball stuff where he needs to develop. I think, um, I think the other thing that I'd say about this player, though, I mean, I, I completely agree that he's got lots of uh, lots of decent raw materials, but the, the problem is almost who he is understudying. Like yeah, ordinarily, you kind of say, "Look, let's not worry too much about the backup left back." It's just he's understudying someone who who re, who like that means we require him to play a lot. Like the understudy to like Bakayo Saka, for example, at the moment. <laughs> Pepe no one cares because he never gets on the pitch really and and so you know like players like that like who was the understudy to Xhaka last season like Sambi I guess don't know didn't yeah. see it didn't happen so it's it's almost that's almost like the problem if he if you took Tabarez out and put him like I don't know as Xhaka's backup or something it probably wouldn't matter that he's so raw but it's because it's tiny, and that's why we're gonna to have to have another look at it this summer, I think.
1: Yeah. Uh Clive, a final word on, on Nuno Tavares. And and if you want to direct it squarely at Paul and use expletives like <laughs> no, I, no, I'm no, here no. for it, man. I, Whatever you I love you, you do.
4: Clive. I love you. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I, I just I just think, you know, just, just, like I say, it's the way I look at football, right? Imperfect players are the one are the fun ones for me. they when it's you a good can point. see they have they have talent, you know. I'm not sure we're going to get to Sambi, but I look at him I think, oh, this, this, he's not quite there, but there's something there. So yeah. I find him interesting to analyze and have a closer look at. When people say he's got wonderful physical gifts, I think, well, are you forgetting the fact that he can switch the ball across his air on his right foot? You know, and and he's very two-footed, more two-footed than Tierney. So that's a technical gift, right? And um, once he controls that right-footed shot, then we're going to look at him differently. In the autumn, Man City were, look, were viewed to be looking at him, until he was sitting on the bench, he got dropped. And I think it affected him when he came back in against Knotts Forest. I don't think he's ready to play. I think Medley was shot. Immature. A young player that's immature. We all said at the start of the year we'd go through some bumps in the road. Next minute we want to loan people out if they don't if they don't play well. He should have been trusted against Brighton. That cost us that game as far as I'm concerned. And that's the only time he wasn't played and he was, that situation was corrected very quickly thereafter. So somebody had a word in someone's ear. He, I think he may have had more appearances this season than Thomas Party in the team. I may be wrong there. Somebody will tell me. Um, but he's up there in the 20s, my early 20s. So he is really learning live and direct in front of us. And my feeling is, as an Arsenal football fan, when I see a player with good raw materials, that, by the way, if you put on the market, will be sold straight away. There will be a market for him. Won't, this won't be a Cedric job. Do you know what I mean? Or he'll be sold straight away because other people are not dumb. They'll see the potential there in him. Uh, and I think there's a player to work with. And that's the, I would like to see, I I just want to, I feel as though I want to support the guy. I think he's really sensitive. I yeah. think he's really immature. He's a growing young player. He's not as mature as his body looks, if you see what I mean. He looks like a man, but he's still a young Mm -hmm. boy in a new country. I think there's so much more to come. And I see some of the people in the grounds laughing at certain things. I'm thinking, nah, mate, you're not getting this. You're not seeing what we have here, potentially. And we need to change our view about how we support the player. That's just how I feel about it. And I do see the imperfections. And I I could break them down. His concentration around the box, how he rests, where he rests. When we have possession, he doesn't move separate... Drop off to receive it to create time for composure. He needs to drop off much quicker when we're in possession in our own half. When he's joining the play in, in the opposition's half, I had nothing to teach him. Nothing to teach him at all. Do right? you see what I mean? And this stuff is really teachable. I really feel it's teachable. When you have the ability and two feet to go both ways, it's just about concentration out of possession in defensive third. That's it. You can focus on that. Keeping switched on, then the physical side will come out because he'll be closer to people, better communication with his left center back. This stuff is very coachable, in my opinion, and, and I, I hope someone at Arsenal is doing it. You know, because, rather than um, sitting there looking at his weaknesses. That's that's just my view, anyway.
1: Yeah, no, I I, I think Amen. that's fair. Yeah, and and look, I I, I think the Nottingham Forest game is a, is a really tough one to analyze because it's worth pointing out that like. You know, Charlie Patino started that game. The midfield was Samby Laconga and Charlie Patino. Holding was the left center back. Tavares was playing next to Holding and Charlie Patino. And I don't know. I, I just think that game was was a weird one in general. Um, I, I, don't, I that seems like a weird one to evaluate a player on. But let's let's move on. I want to do a couple of quick hits, um, and and then maybe handle one or two more players, one more player probably before we pause part one to pick this back up with part two. We got to mention Cedric. I'm going to make a statement on Cedric and then you know if if you guys want to dig into it we can I, I don't think it's necessary. I think what I would say is Cedric just about clinging to the bottom end of met expectations for me which is he played quite a bit. It didn't prevent us from being able to be okay. Um I think we really played to cover his flaws. We let him go forward and play a little more advanced, which meant we had to hold Karen Tierney back. I think the game Cedric played meant that the left wing was just, you know, not functional. He is not a very good player. And I mean, he he panics to get a cross in when he's in the attack. He had some games where we carried him acceptably and he played okay overall not a player you want to have to use, a player we did have to use, and we just about got away with it when we did. Obviously, 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 there are a couple of games he should not have started, and we all know what they are. So, I, I mean, I guess it's underperform, right? Because we started this show by saying you can't say he's a crap player and he played crap, so I think he's crap. So I guess underperform the expectation of being a guy we could use and stick to our principles. But I'll let him cling to the bottom end of Met. I don't want to go into a Deep deep dive on it, but Paul, do you have do you have anything that we can say quickly about him?
2: Um, look, I, I think against big teams he really struggles, or against a really strong winger. You know your uh, what's your man at uh, Man United? Who, who, who's No, the other who, Sancho. He, Sancho. Sancho, yeah, yeah. Oh, see, so yeah, Sancho was him, yeah. Uh, I kept thinking Mancho, and that's not right.
1: he's sort of Boycho still but will become Mancho I think eventually yeah
2: you know if he's really got his hands full or Zaha right they really he's really and and the problem with the Spurs game was he was up against Son and he was doing too much and he's a little fella and he's his heart's in there and he's you know he's like those are the games where where that stick with you but for two-thirds of the games he's a decent backup and it's really the Tierney-Tavarez conversation that you want a guy, you want you want to see, you don't want to see him at all, but you want yeah. to see him for 25% of the games, not 50% of the games, and you want don't want him in the big games. Um, there's too much fuss about his crosses. I don't think the manager has that much of an issue with his crosses or he'd tell him to stop doing it. Um, we get wound up with our, you know how we are. We're frustrated with the player. And we're, we should be a bit frustrated about the crossing and we're a lot frustrated. And usually it happens when we're frustrated as a team in terms of our attacking. And like, it's a bit like long range shooting. Sometimes you got to take a pop. Now I get it with Cedric, but I think we, to use a term, over-index our frustration on certain less important things. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and I think he's... He's met expectations this year because let's face it, we didn't have we've seen him before, so they weren't huge. And he like he's mostly pretty good against two thirds of the table ish, kind of sort of.
1: This is why I think the Tavares debate is a weird one to me, right? Because if you said we could have another Tavares esque player on the right instead of Cedric, I'd take that ten times out of ten. I just don't think you know we're we're not developing him. He's not going anywhere and we can't play the football we really ideally would like to play with sure. him. On the other but, hand, and, and Cedric right plays and had, the
2: system and Tavrez doesn't. And, that's and, very fair, but I think we, we feel change the system.
1: I, I do think that when Cedric plays, he, we hold back our left back more to cover the deficiencies. Now, now here's, here's the ultimate point. We had Maitland-Niles, we had Chambers, we had Bellerin, and we had Cedric. I would take any of the other three before I would take Cedric. And... And I think we the manager genera- genuinely
2: wouldn't, and it's not just because one was more convenient, or but like Cedric is the guy who does the most of what Arteta wants out of all those guys yep. you've listed with the least yeah, vulnerabilities maybe. as all a right, backup. Well,
1: moral of the story is he's met or slightly underperformed. Tim, you're fine with where we're landing on this. Like, no one particularly cares about Cedric being at the <laughs> club, do we?
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I put in the chat. Um, I think he's. Not a very good player. I think he played not very well in nah. that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Clive, is that okay with you?
4: Yeah. this. I mean, I'm a fairly positive person in life, and there are only a few players <laughs> that if I saw that, uh, that I'm quite negative about and, and, and the reason why it's not just play. players play well, play bad. But for me, it's how they affect other people. You know, in the team, in the construct. Yeah. I think he affected Tierney. I think he affected Nuno. You're absolutely right. Tierney's form got questioned when when um, Cedric came in because of the role he had to play and people were used, weren't used used to seeing him play that way. So they questioned mm-hmm. Tierney. Um, when Tom Yassi was in for the early part of the season, both left backs looked much better, right? So um, that's the truth of it. I right centre-back looks much better when Tom Yassi's there. <laughs> Uh, everything looks better I look better when Tommy Assey's there, for God's sake. But but yeah, it's just uh it's it's a it's a problem. And on the crossing side of things, the reason why I find it I it's almost like a get out of jail card. If you cross it into a, a supposed danger area, you get a new. But you don't get a new because other teams are waiting for it and they break and transition on you. The game has changed, right? Crossing it into the box is no longer good enough. Right? you can't cross the ball to somebody that's got no one around him by 10 yards because you're really giving the ball away and you're, you're, you're taking a low percentage effort. If you played that ball square um, in, mm-hmm. in the middle of the pitch and you got any, any got given away, we'd go crazy. Right? So what just could you do it in plenty area, What's the big difference? The principles, and the concepts are the same. Keep the ball where you can. Make sure the crosses are really dangerous and from a dangerous area. If you're crossing from a non-dangerous area, you're just giving it away. So physically not there technically I'm not a believer that he's our most technical player in the last third. I'm not a big fan of him taking free kicks and corners. I don't think they're any good.
1: Oh, that did my head um, in. Oh my God. And
4: oh. and I think, you know, we, we we said it before, I'm going to repeat myself and apologies lads, but there are some people that are trusted and there are some people that are not trusted. And that's a, uh, when we get to the Arteta piece, this Cedric piece is, is something to talk about. Do you know what I mean? And, um, and I would rather see other players trusted with the same level of yep. trust that Cedric gets. That's, that's just my view. And you might get something from them if you, if you show them the love. That's what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, the Arteta piece will be on the Thursday pod, by the way. Obviously, given the runtime we're at right now, that is not going to happen today. Um, I want to do two that are going to just be quick. So one is Thomas Party overperformed. He was one of the best midfielders in the Premier League. He dominated in big games. The only thing that's a shame is that we lost him through injury, um, and you know, and through African Cup of Nations, obviously, does anybody have any problem just nodding and smiling to Thomas Party overperform Paul? No. Yep,
3: Tim. I mean, I'm going to say Met because we did pay quite a lot of money for him quite late in his career. Um, he overperformed probably my expectations, but I'd say on the club side, probably Met. But you know, semantics. He was
1: great. You know what he did, Tim? He met the expectations of what we thought when we were buying him. But he overperformed the expectations, I think, based on the season he had last season. I think this season he went up to the level we hoped he could reach, if that makes sense. Big time, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and Clive overperformed, right? I mean... The- the yeah, for me,
4: he, he actually. Was, I I'm a, I've been a big watcher of him for many years, and well, since the first time we played against him, basically in the in the Europa League semi final, when he was fantastic on that game, and when they were down to ten men. Yeah. So when I saw him live, you know, you see people they just jump out at you. So for that moment, on, I've been following his career. So, but I have to say, at no point when I was following his career did he play like a lone six. And so for me, we would found something else. He's basically running the team. And he wasn't never that Atletico, never that. He was always a, a water carrier for somebody else, right? So you yeah. know, in a double pivot. So for me, that's a significant tactical change to us and him. And he is so able to do it that we all voted him as the player we least wanted to see get injured in the last third of the season, and almost immediately he did because the way he plays it is yeah. top. We we I went to this Liverpool and saw the City game, and basically. In both games, he was the best midfielder on the pitch. And you can't get any better than that for me. So um, potential, but, mate, legs got stiff after international break and we lost him, right? And that's the problem. Yep. Games, we're going to have to find a way to um, manage that situation going forward.
1: Well said. Okay, <clears throat> Mohamed Elneny, for me, is just, look, a squad player who played at roughly the level of a 30-year-old squad player We know his deficiencies. He's not particularly progressive. He's not particularly elusive. We know his strengths. He'll keep the ball. He'll stand where he's told to stand, usually. I'm going to have him as met. I think we massively overemphasized the way he played down the stretch. I think he did fine and nothing more than fine. Um, A guy that, similar to Eddie Kedia was not trusted, was not picked, was not used, and then down the stretch, suddenly it was his turn, and he did okay, and really never more than okay. But I'm going to just have him as a met. And I, I will go to you, Tim. Are you fine with Met Squad Player played like a squad player?
3: Yeah, absolutely. He he El would it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well said, Paul.
2: I'll go a little overperform. Well, you know why I might say it, but I'm not gonna get carried away on it. But yeah, I think enough. it was the it was a better El than I maybe feared, hope he, he was less safe, um, a little more progressive. Uh, and I could see why he was trusted to a degree in the end, but not a lot to say. We we all know what we all saw. It, we all know what he does. I think he did better than expected. But
1: yeah, I think when the going got tough, we saw the El neni we know. Though that that would be my criticism. You know, those games that we lost that cost us top four, we saw an El neni that's very familiar to us. And so very clear he, he limits. Des- yeah, he deserves credit for the games where he gave us a little more. The player is who, I mean, the guy's 30. He he is very much who he is, and I think we know him pretty well. Um, there's a reason we loaned him at 27 out of the club. Um, Clive, Met, yeah, fine, good.
4: Yeah, I think you captured it brilliantly there. But I think his role could be, could he be the guy in the five-sub world that allows us to make changes to protect the players we need to see in the critical parts of the season? So I think yeah. his importance may go up, and I think his importance within the dressing room seems to be really quite high. And um, I wouldn't have said six months ago that he deserves a new contract. I would not have said it. So on that basis I think he's slightly overperformed. But you're absolutely right, Elliot. His shoulders closed up when the when the moment became critical, right? But he wasn't the only one yeah. to dive into a hole and disappear out and around backside, was he, really in the last phase?
1: No. Nope. Nope. No. We were, we were playing with players we didn't want to be playing in those games, let's be honest. All right, well, well let's do this. We'll get one more player in this episode, and I'm going to take uh, dealer's choice and move Shaka into the attacking discussion because he has an eight after all. Um, so that way I can get him out of this episode and uh, leave some meat on the bone for Thursday because we do struggle to, to to get enough into our episodes, as you can clearly see. Final one, Samby Lakonga. I'm going to kick us off with Samby Lakonga and say... I think Sammy Lakonga exceeded expectations and was let down by his manager, and that will come up later. And what I mean is, we bought this guy to maybe be the heir apparent to Thomas Party. We bought this guy to to probably not play a ton this season. But he does have character, and he does have experience, and he came in and I thought he played well. And then he he went to pieces a bit in the second half at, at Anfield. And for one reason or another, the manager, as the season went on, defaulted to what I think deep down is probably in his heart, which is trusting senior players. He likes those 30-year-olds more than those 22-year-olds. He just doesn't. He can say, how, how do you believe that? He's playing Smith-Rowe, he's playing Sagan, he's playing Martinelli. He, he doesn't have a choice. He doesn't have a choice. He stuck with Lacazette till literally his limbs were falling off before going to Enkedia. He likes the young players, but when the rubber meets the road, he picks the senior players. And Sammy Laconga, in my view, never did anything wrong that should have seen him fall out of favor as much as he did other than the way at Anfield. No, by the way, a lot of people are going to have those kind of days away at Anfield. So, I mean, I, I like the player. I think there is more in there than we extracted and that's on us. And I think had we gone to him instead of an Elneny, had we gotten to him in the run, I think we, we could have gotten more. And, and again, I don't want to say he was flawless. I don't want to say he was perfect. He came in in that Brighton game when the game was already sort of lost. I thought he looked good. Um, I'm going to say, for me, he overperformed and was let down in terms of the opportunities he got. I guess it sort of depends on what the club thought they would get from him. And to Paul's point, what he said with Tavares, I guess applies here, which is if the club bought him to be X and he was less than X, even if that's Arteta who decided that, it's still an underperform. But for me... I like this player. I think we have we have undervalued him and underrated him. Similar to Tavares, due to a couple of high profile moments where he he crumbled a little bit. Um I think there's a lot more to come from him. Tim, I'll turn it over to you. What do you have for Samuel Congo?
3: Yeah, sure. Like that Brighton game, we asked here, we're talking about El playing well in the stretch. We didn't ask Elneny to do what we asked Ambi La to do in that game. Yeah. I, I've got him pretty solidly as a Met because um, I don't think this was a punt like Tavares, maybe a semi-punt on potential but I think there's more there that they think, okay, not 100% this player is going to be world class but there's enough there to work with and, and I do think that's kind of what we saw but I think what we learned and what hopefully Arteta learned is that if and when party is not available, you you can't place that, there's no one in the squad that you can play in that role and it's very unlikely yeah. we're going to be able to get anyone that you like you have to change to a double pivot I think yeah and you know maybe next season if party's out it's a Jacques Tielemans double pivot and that feels a bit more comfortable you're not going to be asking either of those players to play on their own there, there though and they are good players who have a lot of international football experience as well so I think we've just got to um, except the fact that party is a unique player in the system. Cross our fingers and hope he stays fit, um, and perhaps you know move Samby Laconga up into that one of those eight roles and have him as a backup there. I think that'll be better for his development, as will the Europa League next season. Um, so I'm going to say Met, but I think I think there's a lot more to see from this player.
1: Yeah, and, and it's tough, right? Because he started twelve. 12- games in the Premier League, and he, and he played about 1,300 minutes, he had 19 appearances. If I told you going into the season that's how much we'd use Sammy La Conga, I think you would say that's, that's good. That's probably even a little more than we might have thought he would start. You know, we'd hope for fitness, which would mean he wouldn't start as much. But so much of it was front-loaded early in the season. And so we sort of lost the chance to really get to know him better. But when you look at the data on who this guy is, an 87th percentile passes into the penalty area, a 76th percentile passes into the final third kind of player, a guy who is you know good on, on the ball-carrying side of things. Um, I had that up here, and it's just eluding me right now. Um, 92nd percentile for shot-creating actions from passing. In open play, I, I think they're saying they're 86 percentile and successful pressures. In terms of who, here we go uh, progressive carrying distance, 96 percentile, total carrying distance, 94th percentile. Elliot reads numbers off a spreadsheet. Very, very fun. Progressive carries, 95th percentile. I can keep doing this all day long. Um, my point is, I, I think he is the type of midfielder that Arsenal should be developing a lot more than like an El Nenny, who's not going to thrive in any of those categories. When we get to Arteta, we'll discuss whether this player should have been used more. But I, just, I just like him, Paul. I, I rate Sambi Laconga, and I think it's a shame we didn't see more of him in the second half.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, and we probably got it the wrong way around due to circumstances beyond our control. When we needed him, mm-hmm. uh, we had, you know, we had party injuries early on. We had Chaka injuries early on. Uh, we needed somebody uh, like even that Liverpool game you mentioned. The first half, he was really good, considering it was Liverpool. Uh, and then he kind of hit a wall, fatigue or whatever, and started. He became a gaff machine. But there was yeah. a, there was a point, a kind of a clear point where he fatigued. Uh, I think he's a great player in in making. This was supposed to be a transition year, and we ended up using him a lot early on. It should have been more of a ramp up as the season went along. We can talk about the Arteta thing. I like a lot of managers lean into experience. Like yeah. we all love Conte, but we forget. all he only wants experience, right? He,
1: yeah, all, I don't love he, Conte for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: but but everybody, you know, everybody's like Conte is great. He doesn't want to see a player of Sambi's experience in his team in the strip. Like the Spurs that beat us by two points was a v- more and more experienced team as the season went on. So, but that's a whole other conversation. I yeah. love Sambi. I think he kind of performed to overperformed because I had high expectations of him. The main issue with Zambi is he ha- he has a bit of the Charlie Patino. He's a young boy kind of still. He has that bouncy run, you know. <laughs> he hasn't run into that, the force in midfield. I think he handles himself pretty well but if if I'm an opposition midfielder, I'm thinking I can run straight through that guy. Yeah, and He, he yeah. needs to spend the summer in the gym, basically. Uh, yep. Yeah, I think he's a little bit overperform Like... You can't fault him. You just can't.
1: I I would say that he never really got to play much during the period where we kind of started to figure it out a bit. And football. you yeah. could say, well, that's that's because he wasn't playing and someone else was. And and I take Tim's point, like no one could do what Thomas Party did for us. And building a system that depends on that, you have a massive single point of failure. I just I think there's a lot more to come from him, I guess, is a point. Clive, I'll let you finish the podcast with your thoughts on Sam of the Congo.
4: Yeah, I think there's something that we're missing a little bit here. The Thomas Party that, that does his role, not only does he do the role from a skill set perspective, but he does it with a level of authority and seniority, right? Of a, of a man that's played for many, many years at the top level. And mm-hmm. then we put Samby into that role, and we didn't give him Shaka next to him. We gave him Smith Road for the first half of that game. you do that role. And by the way, we're going to not only give you that role, we're going to give you less authority next to you. You know, and I thought that was really bad. You know, I thought that was really bad because then we're now exposing the player that we're not sure what you're going to get, right? So, But much like us, the club are learning about the player. They said that maybe he's a six, maybe he's an eight. I personally feel he should be developed one up. And that's probably why he has got the contract to allow Sammy to develop an extra another year to develop i think it's a very smart move rather than go out and buy and i think he will develop i think he'll get more authority he'll have more presence on the pitch just like we all grow and develop authority as become older in our roles and our jobs and in our lives you just mature right and that's all he lacks is maturity and there's nothing else what i do what i do like about him is um he's got a sense of leadership about him and he's not afraid of the ball. So there's a certain freedom by which he goes looking for the ball, and that's a good thing. You know, a midfielder that hides from the ball is not what you want. He's got freedom, and he's and he's, and he's quite good at problem solving in there, right? So again, it can be polished, but again, I look at him, I said I look at Nuno, I think, I look at the both of them, I think, oh, you've got something there. You have, and and they haven't costed what they haven't costed yet, the and their potential. Much bigger players if they can be coached appropriately and given the, the environment by which to develop. So, yeah, I like him. I think it's going to be so. I think he can one that could be one of the surprise breakout players next year. I, I really believe that. I think he's got yeah. something about him. If, he, if he's allowed to grow. I think he could be a breakout player. He's doing things that his body can't do yet. He, do you remember? You know how many shots he's had the edge of the area. They're all really good shots, <laughs> but. But he hasn't quite got the body power yet. Do you know what I mean? And they're sort of like, they get yeah. getting a bit of an ooh. You're thinking, oh, mate, you know, you've got something in there. Because he gets himself into the area, he chips and clips the man and creates a space for the shot. And then he takes a shot. And that's exactly what you should do. But he hasn't quite got the skill set yet to, to execute. And when he does, we'll all go, what a great player he is. But he's already doing it, if you see what I mean? He's already doing the right things, but he's not finishing it off yet. And uh, I think that will come. And uh, but the fact he's got the bravery to put himself into areas which are really positive for the team, I think, is something to to hold on to when you're into next season. So preseason will be big for him. Next season will be big for him. A really smart bit of recruitment by Arsenal, in my opinion. I hope it works out.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to leave it. Um, except that Paul has his finger in the air. Yes, Paul?
2: Um, I just want to pick up on one thing, which is we're talking about young players and maturity, and Sambi needs to grow that maturity and experience, and I think that's spot on. But there's a, cloud, there's a different, right? You look at Bakayo Saka at 19 years old, 20 years old. He's a serious young man who needs maturing experience, but he's a serious young man. I think Sambi's a serious young man. He's a he's already a pro, and so Clive spot on. He needs that maturity, experience, grow into it. But like, there's just there's a certain class of young player, uh, and those two like Smithrow serious ish, Uh, Martinelli very serious about his his uh, ambition, his career, but quite just an extra degree of youthfulness in there. Still very serious. But serious young men, Martin Odegaard, who seems like an elder statesman at this stage, Saka Sambi, there's just there's a certain unagi, a quality about it. And like they have that, they're pros, young pros maturing. And uh, I like, I love all the players I mentioned. I think they're all professional, I think they're all serious. But there's a certain maturity in youth that those guys have and I still fully endorse everything Clive said in terms of his maturing, but he's a serious young man, he's a player, he's a pro.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that's a perfect place to leave it and also a perfect amount of time to leave it. Uh, We will do the rest of the squad in the next episode, which will then get broken up into parts three, four, five, six, and seven. So thank you for joining us on, uh, I, I would say bonus content Monday is what it feels like. We'll also have some really fun Patreon stuff coming for you this week. I should reiterate uh, that if you want to know how Darwin Nunez at Liverpool might not work, you could get some of that from our scouting video over on the Patreon. I just want to thank everyone for being there and everyone for being here. And generally, hope you're having a good summer so far. June is is a time to try to reset. I already see a lot of angst about our transfer moves on Twitter. So it's good to know people are staying shape, in shape and fit all throughout the closed season. Paul's on Twitter. Pause my pants. Thanks, pause. Woohoo! Tim's on Twitter. So, Berto, thanks, Tim. My pleasure as always. Clive's on Twitter, Clive PFC. Thanks, Clive.
4: Thank you very much.
1: My name is Elliot Smith. You can give me an underperform and block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. We love you, and we will talk to you after Arsenal 10 transfer window news.